Scott Thompson Show. Weekdays from noon to 3 on 900 CHML. Mars. There's been lots of chatter about Mars. Well, today the InSight spacecraft, and I understand coming up in like a half an hour, will be landing on Mars. To talk more about all of this, Professor of Astronomy, York University, Paul Delaney, he is with us now. Paul, take us out of this world so at least we can forget about what's going on on the planet. (laughs) In in 20 minutes, in fact, uh, there will be a landing on Mars if all goes well. So we're not going to be talking 20 minutes from now, Scott, just to be (laughs) fair to you. I understand that that might be a bigger draw than I am right now. I totally get it. All of a sudden, we've lost. Paul, what's going on? So uh, there's lots of, they they say that there's lots of anxiety around this landing and and leading up to it. Talk about that a little bit. Why, Why are scientists so anxious? Well, every time we try to land on another planet, there is lots that can go wrong and only one thing that can go right, so to speak. So you've got a a multi-hundreds of millions of dollars probe here, but more to the point, you've got people's lives who have uh, careers who have been invested in this. This probe has been on the drawing boards now for somewhere between 10 and 15 years, and the people who are going to get the data back are going to work with it for the next five to 10 years. That's the careers of several people. The last thing they want to see is this thing crash and burn and create a new crater on the surface of Mars. So that's where the tension is coming from. We want this to get down. We want to be able to extract all the data, and people who have spent and invested so much of their their time, effort, and energy in it are going to get a return. So, yes, there's a lot of finger-biting, nail-biting going on at the moment, and literally it's all out of our control. This probe is going down on autopilot to the surface of Mars, and all we can do is sit back and watch. It, it's really very stressful. <laughs> Why this one's so significant? What is its role? I understand it's going to be digging into the planet. Absolutely. Almost every other probe that we have sent to Mars over the last nearly 50 years now has examined the atmosphere, has examined the overall global dynamics of the planet, has sort of dug into the subsurface area looking for life, trying to follow the water and so on. This is the first probe which is actually designed to probe the deep interior. If all goes well, the three primary instruments on board inside are going to give us an understanding of the core of Mars. Is it solid? Is it liquid? Uh, How much motion is happening uh, inside? How much heat is flowing out towards the surface. And all of those are parameters that give us the inside picture of this planet. We can do that here on Earth very easily because of uh, earthquake seismic activity and so on. We can't do that on Mars with the probes we've sent to date. Insight is going to change that. So we'll be able to now tell you about the core, the outer core, the mantle. We'll be able to tell you about the processional rate of the planet all tied to the interior dynamics. Of course, we've all talked about for, for many years about eventually going there. How does this help with our journey to this planet? Uh, well, it gives us a, a better insight, pardon the pun, on the uh, seismic activity on Mars. We're, we're really not sure how seismically active this planet is. Uh, is there a lot of heat that is flowing from the interior? That talks to you about earthquakes and stability. So, you know, this is not so much a uh, mission that talks to the colonists, if you will, and the colonization, the inhabitation of Mars. This really is trying to understand the planet as a whole and therefore planets in general. Uh, when we look at all of the planets in our solar system, the only one that we really know well is ours, Earth. So now we're beginning to dig into the interior of Mars to give us some greater insight into planetary formation processes in general rather than, you know, will it be uh, safer here or there 
for the, the first inhabitants of Mars. So any information that we find out from this, will is there, could this information delay or perhaps speed up the journey there? Um, probably neither. It'll probably be neutral. I mean, if, if there was a lot of seismic activity on Mars, we would have had some telltale signs uh, from our orbiters. We've been examining the Martian surface now very, very closely for the last 20 years. Uh, and we don't see much in the way of ice slides. We don't see volcanic eruptions. We're fairly confident that the Martian interior is relatively quiescent, meaning that you know wherever we decide to put our first bases down on the surface of Mars, as long as it's not underneath the cliff, it's probably going to be fine. But you know if we go and put ourselves inside caves or inside lava tubes, you want to know that it's a seismically stable area. So there is information that is going to flow that could well hasten our first location, the first selection of locations for the surface of Mars. All right, let's talk, let's, let's talk about the technology involved in getting this thing down. This is always fascinating to me. Uh, this thing's supposed to land around 3 o'clock, so what's happening now? What is the process between now and then? Well, in fact, uh, the process is well underway. Remember, Mars is about 7 or 8 minutes away from us in terms of travel time. So the process has actually already started. We just don't know the information yet because light is traveling at a finite speed between here and Mars. But the vehicle is basically moving at about 20,000 kilometers per hour at the moment. It's going to be hitting the top of the atmosphere in a few minutes. It's then got six minutes to bleed off all of that energy, all of that speed, so that it can touch down on the surface at literally the speed that you and I would jump off a chair, a couple of kilometers an hour. The way it does that, of course, is it dissipates a lot of energy by uh, having a heat shield there soak up a phenomenal amount of energy. Even though the Martian atmosphere is fairly thin, it still is more than enough to melt the interior of the probe. So there is a heat shield which is slowing it down, slowing it down, brings it down to about, give or take a bit, 1,000 kilometers an hour. They then deploy a parachute, which is not easy to do at those speeds, uh, slows it down now to a couple of hundred kilometers an hour, uh, gets it within a few kilometers of the surface, and then the actual probe is is dropped from beneath the canopy of the parachute, and it fires its retro braking system uh, using uh, inbuilt radar to find itself uh, a nice safe spot on the surface. Holy it has smokes! To do all that in <laughs> autopilot mode. Wow. I'm having a hard time just getting a parking spot at the mall. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> it will be on the planet seven minutes before anyone knows. That's exactly right. Yeah. So the there's that period. Relativity. It's a real nuisance. So that period of time, you don't know whether it's been successful or not. That that's right. Uh, but remember, we are getting the signals all the time. It's right. Just so it's continuous by seven minutes. That's right. right. So we will hear whether it hits the atmosphere. We'll hear the retro braking process. We'll hear the parachute deploy. Uh, you know, NASA has become very good at keeping us up to date. And unfortunately, we we have to do that because if we lose. The, the probe, we want to know where we lost it, what went wrong in the sequence. And that's why they've built in all of this communication flowing back to the Earth. How long will this thing uh, be giving us information, providing all of this is successful? Minimum uh, lifetime, mission lifetime is two years. It's a solar-powered vehicle. Uh, as long as we don't have too many dust storms on Mars, then there's no reason to think it will not survive for three, four, five years. Uh, think of the rovers that have been running around the surface. But minimum mission lifetime for success is considered to be two years. And how big is it? Uh, it's actually fairly small. It's much smaller than Curiosity. It comes in, if memory serves, around about four or 500 kilograms. Uh, so it's, it's half the mass or less of Curiosity. 
uh, the size of eh, close enough a golf cart. A golf cart. Okay, that's so a great analogy. Big, it's almost like an Elon Musk analogy, there, uh, Paul. <laughs> uh, Paul, well, I didn't say a Tesla. There you go. There you go. All right, we'll let you go because I know you got popcorn to make and the TV you trays to set up and such. Paul Delaney has been with us, <laughs> professor of astronomy, York University. It's Christmas Day for him. Uh, Paul, bet. thanks so much for the time. Much appreciated. Bye, Scott. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to three on 900 CHML.